This is Marathon Training Academy, episode 399. This podcast episode is sponsored by Inside Tracker. Created by leading scientist, Inside Tracker analyzes your blood, DNA, and fitness tracking data to identify where you're optimized and where you're not. Get 20% off the entire Inside Tracker store at insidetracker.com forward slash MTA. Thanks to our amazing hotel sponsor, the Drury Hotels. I just got back from a road trip and stayed at their Knoxville, Tennessee location, as well as their amazing Plaza Hotel in New Orleans. And I was also at the St. Louis Arch location and the Columbus, Ohio Convention Center location. It's like my home away from home. Drury Hotels are reliably clean and they have free food and drinks in the evening and free breakfast in the morning. It's an awesome deal. Check out DruryHotels.com forward slash MTA to save 15% on your stay or use the code RUN at checkout. That's R-U-N for 15% off. DruryHotels.com forward slash MTA. Hey, hey, welcome to the Marathon Training Academy podcast. I'm Trevor. And I'm Angie. In this episode, Coach Angie shares tips on running through pregnancy and postpartum. And she shares how she learned not just to train for races, but also for life events. And of course, you can get all the good stuff, back podcast episodes, training plans, plus our forthcoming Strength Training for Runners program. When do you become a member today? Just find out how to join when you visit MarathonTrainingAcademy.com. So Angie, this episode has been building for a long time, and consequently, it's going to be a big episode. As in long. <laughs> Before we jump into it, though, let's give some shout outs to the awesome folks inside our community. What are people up to these days? Lots of great stuff. This a note comes from Todd. He said, I recently finished the beautiful hilly Catalina Trail half marathon. Thanks to MTA coach Carrie, who had made this my best race to date with her training plan and coaching. I felt strong during the race and afterward, and I'm super excited for my next race. And this comes from Courtney. She says, I'm feeling really grateful for the folks at MTA who got me through my first marathon in Philly. It was such a special day, and it felt great to know that my daughter watched me cross the finish line. Without your excellent advice and the spirit of this community, the training process would not have gone as smoothly. And this comes from Jose, who is an MTA Academy member. He says, I'm currently working on running four marathons in four weeks. Marathon number one was Philadelphia, PA, which was way too cold for my liking. Jose goes on to say, the Seattle Marathon was number two. I was able to push through despite a lingering foot injury and come in 12 minutes behind my fastest time for a finish time of 3.54. Thanks to a friend running next to me, which kept my mind off the pain. And of course, thanks to coaching advice and guidance from MTA coach Joel. I'm really thankful to MTA and the coaching team for continuing to help me push my body to do the hard things. My mantra for this time was jokingly PR or ER, which maybe he heard on the last podcast from you. <laughs> I don't recommend it. <laughs> and he says, and while I did not PR or end up in the ER, I did visit an aid station for the first time ever. For race number three, I'll be running California International Marathon. Maybe I can PR on their net downhill course. And finally, this comes from Clark. Clark says, hi, Angie and Trevor from all the way down in Melbourne, Australia. Your points regarding hydration and not going out too fast from last week's Rookie Mistakes episode is something I cannot stress enough to your listeners and anybody else out there on their marathon journey. Oh, this is going to be good. <laughs> 
even though I'm far from a rookie, both of these I clearly underestimated going into this year's New York City Marathon, which was my first overseas marathon, but my 11th overall. I went from being on a PR pace for the first half, a 3.16 finish time and way too fast, to getting severe leg cramps in the second half and barely getting over the finish line with a shuffle at four hours. It was unseasonably warm on the day, and I do not think I hydrated enough pre-race. People, heed the advice from the Rookie Mistakes episode. It will make a difference. (laughs) Keep up the great work on the show. It's a great motivator. So, Clark, we're really sorry that you experienced all those challenges out on the course at New York City, but super proud of you for continuing as strong as you could and finishing. So keep up the great work. Well, always fun to hear what people are up to. By the way, send us an email anytime to support at marathontrainingacademy.com if you want to share your story or ask a question. We're going to jump into the topic of pregnancy and postpartum running. So this is a topic that Angie, I know that you've been working on for a long time because we have gotten questions through the years about this. Actually, quite frequently we get questions we about this. Mm-hmm. Let's jump into it. Well on my way, well on my way, well on my way. Now that I'm well on my way, well on my way, well on my way, well on my way. All right, running during pregnancy and the postpartum period. Trevor, like you mentioned, this episode has been a long time in the making. We've received many requests over the years for information on running during pregnancy and how to get restarted in the postpartum period. And, you know, we just want to acknowledge that there are many challenges associated with running during pregnancy and returning to running in the postpartum period. This whole journey is going to be unique to every single person, and there is no one-size-fits-all template that we can lay out. Remember, of course, that the recommendations that we're giving in this episode or not a substitute for the advice of your healthcare provider. And running during pregnancy in the postpartum period is fortunately not something that's currently fresh on my mind. Our youngest son just turned 12 this month, so it's been a while since I've been through this myself. But I do remember much of what that process was like. When we first started MTA back in February of 2010, I was actually pregnant with our third child. Yep. Um, And so it was very fresh on my mind at that point in time. During my first two pregnancies, I wasn't a runner yet, although I did try to work out regularly. And the third time around um, in 2010, I had just come off running my second marathon where I'd been very excited to break four hours. And so I had a very high fitness base going into my third pregnancy. And I was able to continue running my normal mileage at an easier intensity until around 22 weeks into my pregnancy. At that point, my round ligaments couldn't take the impact anymore and I had to transition to doing all low impact exercise. And it was just a really big mental adjustment for me not to be able to run all the way through pregnancy. But my body had different ideas and I chose to listen to it. And, you know, I had been kind of immersing myself in a lot of information from women who had been fortunate enough to run through their entire pregnancies. And so I just think I expected to be able to do that myself. So everyone's journey is different. You know, you just never know how your body's going to react. And I'm always happy to hear from women who are able to run through their entire pregnancies because I do think it is very healthy from a physical and emotional and mental standpoint. The same day that Liam was born, you were at the YMCA earlier that day on the elliptical trainer. Yes. Yes. I continued to work out. I just had to keep everything very low impact. We, We were living in a small town in Missouri back then and- The YMCA was actually really nice. And I remember you were like eight months pregnant, almost nine months pregnant in there working out on the elliptical and people would walk by and be like, are you sure you should be doing that? (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to talk about that a little bit later um, (laughs) under kind of mindset and some of the things that you will hear people say, but... (laughs) 
people can be fairly rude and intrusive when you're pregnant, to just put it mildly. <laughs> like complete strangers asking to touch your belly. Yes, exactly. <laughs> or asking if you're having twins or, you know, when are you going to pop or, you know, just extremely rude things. So, <laughs> but of course, during pregnancy, the primary goal is doing what you can to have a safe and healthy experience. There is a lot going on in your body at this time. Even during the first trimester, which is up to 13 weeks, your body may not outwardly look that different, but it's working hard on fetal development. And it's really important to respect that. Most women experience some degree of fatigue or low energy during this time, and often some morning sickness or generalized nausea and food aversions. And so that can be really challenging from an energy standpoint. Internally, the maternal cardiac output increases by 30 to 50% and your blood volume doubles. Your breathing rate also increases during exercise, especially during the third trimester, which is week 27 and above. Of course, you have a larger body mass to sustain. So it's important to listen to your body and be okay with the fact that you'll have to slow down and possibly even stop running temporarily. I've heard it said that pregnancy is a time to train for two, not for you. I recently saw some information on Instagram from the fit midwife that says, quote, not all heroes wear capes. Did you know that pregnant women live nearly at the limit of human endurance? Researchers from Duke University studied athletes such as elite runners and cyclists who were doing the Tour de France in a bid to identify the absolute limit of human endurance. Their research showed that the human body can cope with a maximum energy expenditure 2.5 times its resting metabolic rate, which is on average around 4,000 calories. What is so interesting about this is that when it comes to pregnant women, at their peak, their energy expenditure is about 2.2 times their metabolic rate. So in a nutshell, growing tiny humans means your body is pushing the boundaries of your human capabilities in a way only otherwise experienced by exceptionally elite athletes. So kind of in a nutshell, what, she, what she's saying there is pregnancy is basically a nine-month-long endurance event. <laughs> <laughs> Massive respect to all of you that have endured pregnancy. <laughs> That's right. Of course, safety is a big thing that is often front of mind for many people. And experts have varying opinions on what is safe and advisable during the pregnancy and postpartum period. And again, I'd like to emphasize that I'm not a doctor and my advice is not a substitute for that of your doctor. But you are a nurse. I am a nurse. So if you have a chronic medical condition or a high-risk pregnancy or a history of miscarriage, then you should always act with more caution and follow the advice of your doctor in regard to what is safe for exercise. But in general, aerobic exercise like running has been proven to be safe during a normal pregnancy, and most women don't need to lay aside their running or strength training routine during this time. I think the following mindset is gradually changing, but one of my pet peeves is that some people treat pregnancy like it's some kind of terminal disease. I've received comments when I was in the gym, like you were alluding to earlier, Trevor, like, are you sure you should be doing that? Or don't hurt yourself, honey, more times than I can count. <laughs> Another sarcastically favorite was don't have that baby in here. Like, oh, yes, it's my dream to have my baby in the weight room at the YMCA. <laughs> Uh, well, it was probably funny the first time you heard it. It was not ever funny. Okay. <laughs> to anyone thinking they can drop those lines on a pregnant person. <laughs> 
Another thing to keep in mind is that every pregnancy is unique, even if this is not your first child. So this is a time to exercise more caution and listen to your body. Now, I certainly don't agree with the mentality of sitting on the couch for nine months, but pregnancy isn't a time to take on bigger challenges that you're not conditioned for. Pregnancy, childbirth, and the postpartum period are much like a marathon experience, actually harder, I think, (laughs) and they require a lot of patience with the process. The American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists, which always takes a very conservative approach, states that, quote, continuing to run or do other aerobic activity during pregnancy for 30 minutes on most days of the week can reduce backaches, constipation, bloating, and swelling, prevent or treat gestational diabetes, increase your energy, improve your mood, improve your posture, muscle tone, strength, and endurance, help you sleep better, and improve your ability to cope with labor pain. They also say, quote, if you were a runner before you became pregnant, you often can keep running during pregnancy, although you may have to modify your routine. So basically what I get from that is that if you've been running regularly before pregnancy, then it's fine to continue running at that level with less intensity during pregnancy as long as you listen to your body and adjust accordingly. However, pregnancy is not the time to train for a marathon for the first time or try and set PRs. Your body really needs to be invested in the healthy development of the baby. The body is going to present different challenges during the three trimesters of pregnancy. The first trimester can come with nausea, exhaustion, and dizziness. During the second trimester, your center of gravity shifts. Your joints and ligaments get looser. And many women start dealing with bladder pressure, feeling like you have to pee all the time, and occasionally stress incontinence. So you'll see a wide range of what people can do during pregnancy, and this was true for me as well. Um, During my pregnancy in 2010, I experienced a lot of fatigue in the first trimester. I felt great during the second trimester. I was able to do a half marathon and a 15K during that time. But like I said, once I got to week 22, it was like my body was, you're done. (laughs) My center of gravity had shifted. It put a lot of pressure on my round ligaments. What is a round ligament, by the way? It's it's basically in your groin area, kind of like your lower pelvis. And it's, you know, supposed to help support your belly, your growing belly. But, you know, often it can just be extremely painful. So any high impact exercise was extremely painful. Even rolling over in bed at night was extremely painful. <laughs> so, yeah, it can cause a lot of discomfort. Even though I was wearing a belly support band, high impact activity was a no-go. So I transitioned to low impact activities such as using a stationary bike, the elliptical. I did yoga and strength training. And on the day our son Liam was born, I actually had done some cycling and strength training earlier in the day. And it was my easiest labor and delivery too. So maybe that is not a surprise. (laughs) Yeah, he was almost born in the hallway in the hospital. (laughs) (laughs) He came so fast. Which I don't recommend, but it was great from a standpoint of not having a long, protracted, painful labor. (laughs) It was a wild ride, man. He could have been born in the car on the way to the hospital. (laughs) It happened so fast. (laughs) Yes, it did. So maybe we should talk about perception by society. Seems like there are more professional athletes who've been able to train you know, during pregnancy and have been sharing posts of themselves doing that. Yeah, I think mindsets have shifted a lot since I was pregnant and living in a rural area in 2010. Um, I think there has been a lot more conversation around normalizing exercise during pregnancy. And I think elite athletes are partially responsible for that. But also if you're on Instagram or any of the socials, you know, you see a lot more of women sharing their journey of exercising through pregnancy. 
And there are a lot more options now when it comes to maternity running and fitness wear. So that's also very helpful. But there's always going to be a few people who have the perception that a pregnant runner is abnormal or being reckless. I remember a lot of noise on social media a few years ago when Alicia Montano competed in track events while she was 34 weeks pregnant. There was also a woman who completed the Chicago Marathon at 39 weeks of pregnancy with her doctor's blessing. And of course, everyone had something to say about that. There have been several examples of elite women who have trained throughout pregnancy, like Paula Radcliffe, Dina Castor, Kara Goucher, and many more. Sadly, many have had to make professional and financial sacrifices to have their children. I just mentioned Alicia Montano. Her sponsor, Nike, put her contract on hold when she announced that she was pregnant. So she switched to ASICs and found that their policy was to do the same thing. And because there, you know, most of these companies have a non-disclosure agreement, a lot of women have not been able to talk about how they've been treated while they've been pregnant by some of these companies. So Alicia started promoting the maternal leave legislation in order not to lose health insurance during pregnancy. Many pregnant athletes face having to achieve a certain level in competition within a certain time frame in order to keep their sponsorships. In 2019, sprinter Allison Felix opened up about her struggle to get maternity benefits from her sponsor, Nike. Both of these women bravely opened up the conversation of how many female athletes feel like they have to choose between motherhood and their sport. When I was pregnant back in 2010, I remember Kara Goucher was also pregnant with her son. And I remember following her experience since we were due at nearly the same time. I think her son was born maybe a week or two before our son Liam. And I think I had some serious jealousy, if I'm going to be honest, that she was able to run throughout her whole pregnancy. Of course, she slowed down her pace quite a bit, but I still found it amusing that her slow pace was better than my fastest pace, you know, non-pregnant. <laughs> oh, man. So it's, you know, it's just all a matter of perspective. Um, In most cases, though, continuing to train and exercise is extremely beneficial. At some point, there will need to be some modification in the intensity and duration of your running or exercise. So here's just some general kind of nutshell advice about exercise or running during pregnancy. First, focus on training for a healthy pregnancy. Having a healthy baby is the number one goal, and personal running goals will take a backseat during this time. Number two, listen to your body. In your head, you may think you should still be able to run a certain pace or a distance, but it's important to slow down. Number three, don't neglect core strength. Keeping your back, abdominal, hip, and pelvic floor muscles strong will give you a more comfortable pregnancy and easier postpartum recovery. Just make sure not to do exercises that diminish blood flow to the uterus, like those that require lying on your back, or doing things like crunches from the second trimester on. You also don't want to hold your breath during exercise. Number four, make sure to wear comfortable and supportive exercise clothes. You may need a larger size of running shoes as your feet can relax and swell during pregnancy. Compression socks and a belly support band can also be helpful for more support and to promote better blood flow. Number five, your center of gravity shifts during pregnancy, which can feel a bit more unstable at times. So make sure that you don't run frequently on uneven surfaces or on highly technical trails. It's also even more important during this period of time to warm up and cool down carefully. There is something called relaxin, which is the hormone that relaxes your ligaments. And it's way more elevated during pregnancy. And this will result in looser joints and ligaments, which can make you more vulnerable to injury. And finally, if you have the following symptoms at any time during pregnancy, be sure to stop exercising and contact your healthcare provider immediately. Things to watch for include abdominal cramping, vaginal bleeding, dizziness, chest pain, calf pain or swelling, or uterine contractions. 
The good news is that there's a lot of evidence that athletes have healthier babies. Basically, a healthy mom results in a healthier baby. Studies show that exercise during pregnancy lessens back pain, prevents excessive weight gain, improves sleep quality, and reduces delivery complications and time spent in labor. Exercise during pregnancy results in babies that have healthier blood vessels even into adulthood, which helps protect against heart disease. A study from the University of Montreal found that the babies of mothers who exercised had brains that were more active and mature and had advanced neurodevelopment. Infants are also less likely to be underweight, have better heart development, and better heart rate variability. They also perform better on tests of fine motor skills and have advanced coordination. This may be due to better blood and oxygen and nutrients that get through the placenta. So let's shift gears a bit from pregnancy to the postpartum period. The timing of when you start exercising again post-pregnancy depends on how much you exercise during pregnancy and what type of delivery you had. If you had an uncomplicated vaginal birth, you'll be able to begin exercising sooner than someone who experienced complications or who had a cesarean birth. Evidence shows that safe and appropriate exercise in the postpartum period helps prevent urinary incontinence and uterine prolapse. It also promotes blood flow to avoid complications like varicose veins, leg cramps, edema, and blood clot formation. This improved circulation promotes the healing of pelvic tissues and strengthens uterine and pelvic ligaments and tendons. And as an added benefit, exercise in the postpartum period has been shown to decrease the incidence of postpartum depression, which can be an issue for many women. We're really happy to have MTA coach Jen Giles come on for a segment where she talks about how to successfully feed and fuel your body during the postpartum period. Coach Jen is a sports dietitian and nutritionist and an exercise physiologist. She's an RRCA certified running coach, a triathlon coach, and adjunct professor at Columbia University. And she's a mom of four. That's right. So here is Coach Jen to answer some questions on nutrition after pregnancy. All right, we're on the podcast now with Coach Jen Giles, one of our fabulous coaches here at MTA. Oh, thank you for having me. This is so much fun. Always a great time to talk to you guys. That's right. And Coach Jen, you are a registered dietitian and you are just so experienced and knowledgeable in the realm of endurance fueling and nutrition. So yeah, we are super lucky to have you on the team here. And you know, we're kind of talking about something a little bit different today because we're kind of focusing on the postpartum experience and what that looks like for a runner who is wanting to balance recovery after having that baby and getting back into a running routine. So in that transition from pregnancy to postpartum, is there anything that should be done differently when it comes to nutrition? Yeah. So I was one of those moms who was very eager to get back into running. So all four of my pregnancies, I kind of got right back into it. So from a nutrition perspective, it was interesting because a lot of it is really listening to your body and kind of knowing what you need and when you, when you can push yourself, when you can pull back. But your nutrition needs as a breastfeeding postpartum mother are so much higher as a runner. So mm-hmm. already your nutrition needs are high coming off of pregnancy and having a baby. You're tired, you're fatigued, you're healing, you're feeding another little human being, <laughs> you're keeping somebody else alive besides yourself. Yeah. So much psychologically and physically that's going on. But now you add running on top of that and needing and wanting to get back into that schedule. So your nutritional needs are even higher than non-runners. 
So I would say just off the top of my head, the most important thing are, are calories. Mm-hmm. So the most research we have on postpartum mothers gives us a range between like 300 and 500 extra calories a day for runners. There's not a lot of research on postpartum running mothers mm. if you're breastfeeding. So we always just bump that up because we just know your needs are going to be higher regardless. And hydration. Hydration is going to be huge because now it's part of the healing postpartum process. But now that we're breastfeeding as postpartum mothers, if you choose to breastfeed, obviously, then your hydration needs are higher too because you're producing milk, which is mostly water. So we need to bump up your hydration needs. And as a runner, you're sweating so much. So that's even <laughs> higher, you know, so everything's just, you know, up a notch. <laughs> yes. So well, you're talking about how all the needs are increased. And I remember some days after having my babies feeling like even getting a shower was daunting. You know, any quick and healthy snack ideas that that postpartum runner can implement in her day to just kind of help her get those extra things um, so that she can start to build back her running base strong. Yeah, for sure. Oh my gosh. I remember those days of just not even being able to shower. (laughs) Yes. Yes. One minute to yourself at all. Yeah. So this is where preparation comes in. So Mm. if you batch cook things beforehand or batch prep things, I should say for snacks, you don't have to do a lot of cooking, to be honest. You just have to have the stuff available so that you can grab and go. If you have healthy foods available to you at home, you're going to eat them. Yes. So just some quick ideas that I love are, you know, granola, homemade granola is best because obviously if you have the time and energy to make it, or even better, if you can just have a friend or a sister or a mom or a mother-in-law make it for you, that's a great present. Or if you know someone who just had a baby, that's a great present to give to them. Yes. Make granola that has, you know, dried fruit and nuts and whole grain oats along the same line, overnight oats. So you could make, grab the mason jars, put them in your fridge, make six or seven of them. You'll have them there for the week. That can be a quick breakfast or could be a snack any time of day. You know, mm-hmm. you're cycles are off. So it really doesn't matter if you're eating breakfast foods at 4 p.m. or 9 a.m. Really? Yes. Yes. Yogurt parfait, which is a combination, you know, Greek yogurt, throw some granola on there, fresh fruit, even something really quick like peanut butter and jelly sandwich or peanut butter sandwich. Chia pudding is along the lines of those overnight oats. Just make a big batch of it and you can have that as a quick snack throughout the whole day. And that's great for your digestion too. Oh yeah. (laughs) Which sometimes can be dysregulated after you have a baby. Exactly. Super high in fiber will keep you regular and it's loaded with omega-3s, which will help inflammation, which is part of that healing process of having a baby. And those omega-3s are really important for the baby's brain development too. Mm -hmm. So great, great, great food to add to anything, whether it's pudding or a smoothie, which was my next idea. Smoothies are great. Throw a bunch of things in a blender and go. Mm -hmm. So easy and it's tasty. You can throw some protein powder in there to increase your protein intake. Broth-based soups are great because they're killing two birds with one stone. You have your fluid, your electrolytes, and you can throw some chicken and veggies in there. You're getting vegetables, fiber, and protein. So that's you make a big vat of that either in an Instapot or a Crock-Pot and have that for a week or so also. Eggs. Have some hard-boiled eggs on hand, or if you don't have the energy to hard-boil them or the time, you could just scramble them. It takes three minutes, super easy. Mm-hmm. Have that, put that in a little wrap with some vegetables, and um, that's just a quick and easy snack along throughout the day also. So those are some ideas. And then if you get really stuck, there's some good quality protein bars. Just mm-hmm. order them on Amazon, have them on hand, like Go Macro Bars I love, Cliff Bars I love. They have good ingredients, and again, just super convenient. I wouldn't use them as a crutch, but I would always have them on hand for those days where you don't have the groceries in the refrigerator. 
We've talked a little bit about breastfeeding. So for the mom who chooses to breastfeed, does running affect the milk supply? I know it differs from person to person. For me, I never had problems keeping my milk supply up, but I know for some women that is a big worry for them. Yeah, it can for sure. And it really depends on your sweat rate and it depends on the nutrition that you're taking in. So if you're eating really well and drinking enough fluids, your milk supply is probably going to be fine. But on those days where you're running a little bit longer, maybe it's a little bit hotter, you're sweating a little bit more. I remember one race, I actually did a half Ironman and my youngest was, I'm going to take a guess. I think he was probably about four or five months. Oh, wow. I thought I'd be fine after the race. And there was literally nothing left for him afterwards. In fact, I remember being so upset. I had to give him a bottle because there was just nothing. Um, So yes, you can get depleted, but it doesn't mean it's always going to happen. It could happen once or twice, but then you'll be fine the next day. But you just have to make sure that if you're running a lot and you have a high sweat rate, or if you're racing a long distance, then it may affect your milk supply and you just need to boost that hydration and your intake a little bit more. I mean, it makes sense. If you, yes. In that instance, I was racing. So I was outputting a lot of energy and there wasn't enough energy left for my body to supply milk. So it was gone, right? Mm-hmm. If I had eaten a little bit more during that race, drank a little bit more, it was very hot too. So I probably was dehydrated also. I could have done a lot better job in that instance. So obviously I learned from that and didn't happen again, but <laughs> that's a good thing to know about your body. Yes. Into that situation to offset that with more calories and more fluids. So each postpartum runner is going to be different in terms of how their pregnancy went, what their labor and delivery was like, and you know how their recovery is going. So when they ease back into their long runs, should the breastfeeding mother do anything different when it comes to fueling and hydrating for those long runs? I mean, you kind of alluded to the fact that you know it may take a toll on your system. You know, and we talk about in the realm of endurance fueling, kind of like go into things prehydrated and then stay on top of it. Is that kind of the same scenario here? It definitely is. I think the other really important thing to balance is timing. Mm. So, And this is actually important for non-breastfeeding runners too, all runners. <laughs> yes. but, but the timing is really that much more important because when your body is really responsible for producing all this extra nutrition than we normally are, you really have to time it appropriately. So eating, making sure you eat before your long runs or your training runs and being consistent throughout the whole day. So sometimes, you know, we all make this mistake, but sometimes we'll go out and we'll forget to eat before you run or even worse is we'll run and then we'll forget to eat afterwards. for yes. <laughs> We cannot do that as breastfeeding mothers or postpartum mothers because there's so many other physiological things happening in our body and cell turnovers happening so quickly. So those nutrients need to be there in order for your body to function optimally. So timing is huge. Quality and quantity are huge. So we talked about quantity. Everything needs to be, you know, increased Mm -hmm. up to 500 plus calories a day. So we need to space that out throughout the whole day. And then quality of nutrients need to be there too. So we need to make sure that we're getting vitamins and minerals, which is just another word for fruits and vegetables, (laughs) uh, fiber, which is fruits, vegetables, and grains. And we need protein, carbohydrates, and good fats in balance at every meal throughout the whole day. So it's being consistent, which again, is really the same information I'm giving to regular runners. Mm -hmm. It just has to be kind of like jacked up a notch when you're a new mother. I remember coming back from long runs and we lived in Missouri at the time. So it would often be extremely hot and humid. And I would literally be like dripping sweat still in my kitchen. I'm just drinking like a recovery drink right away before I do anything. You know, the kids are like, ah, 
you know, they, <laughs> they had, you know, missed me in my absence, but it was like, I had to get in at least the recovery drink right away, get some hydration in me as well before I could even start to change clothes or deal with the needs of the kids. Yeah. And, you know, it's like, sometimes you have to put your own oxygen mask on first, especially when you're in that phase of life, because there's just, you know, less wiggle room. <laughs> Exactly. You're going to be a better mother because of it if you take care of yourself first, because mm -hmm. then you'll have the energy to take care of them and you'll mm -hmm. be happier doing it too, which just makes you a better mom. So that's, yes. yeah, that's advice number one <laughs> piece of advice. Well, thank you for sharing your expertise with us, Coach Jen. And like I said, it's uh, just awesome to have you on the team here at MTA helping clients. Thanks. I love it. You guys are doing awesome things and I'm just thrilled to be a part of it. Quick break to thank our episode sponsor, Inside Tracker. Really appreciate them partnering with us this year. If you haven't had a blood test in a while to really see what's going on under the hood, so to speak, these folks make it extremely easy to get your blood drawn, send it off to a lab and get results that you can dive into and actually understand. You'll get access to a dashboard so you can see what your inner age is, where your biomarkers are. And they also give you an action plan because it's one thing to see the data, but it's another thing to say, all right, well, now what do I do about it? That's right. Inside Tracker was created by leading scientists in aging, genetics, and biometrics. They analyze your blood, DNA, and fitness tracking data to identify where you're optimized and where you could use some improvement. And we all pretty much have room for improvement. Cholesterol is something that I've had to watch because high cholesterol runs in my family. So it was good to see my numbers look better from the previous Inside Tracker test. So yeah, we, we highly recommend it. It's so convenient to get your blood tested and sent off. And the data you get is just invaluable. So check them out at InsideTracker.com. You can get 20% off the entire Inside Tracker store, whatever package you choose. Just go to InsideTracker.com forward slash MTA. InsideTracker.com forward slash MTA. So like Coach Jen pointed out, it's super important to really fuel yourself nutrition-wise during pregnancy and in the postpartum period. And when it comes to general postpartum exercise recommendations, that includes starting back slowly by walking several times per week and doing light core and pelvic floor strengthening exercises. We talked about relaxin, that hormone that kind of relaxes your joints and ligaments. Your joints and ligaments are going to go through a big transition post-delivery and your center of gravity starts shifting back to normal. So it's really important that you especially take it easy for the first two to six weeks or whatever your doctor recommends, listen to your body and proceed accordingly. If you do start back running during the first six weeks, make sure that you take it slowly to avoid getting injured. Even if you are an avid marathoner before pregnancy, you don't want to jump back into heavy training right away. Your abdominal muscles will be very lax and this can throw your running form off and lead to back discomfort and other injuries. I remember post-pregnancy, one of the hardest things for me to deal with, it was like my ab muscles were just not on board with anything. Like I would go to suck in my stomach and the muscles are like, screw you. <laughs> I remember you saying that. It felt like you didn't even have muscles anymore. Mm -hmm, exactly. So in addition, you're also at a higher risk for stress fractures during this time. And so I know I say this a lot, but be patient with yourself and remember that it's important to rebuild a strong, solid running base. Don't take shortcuts and get injured just because you're really eager to get back out there. My goals post-pregnancy were simply to let my body recover and slowly build back my running base. I think I remember I just walked for the first two weeks postpartum. And then in the coming weeks, I slowly added in some running intervals to my walks. And so I kind of treated it like I was a brand new runner. It was all about building back endurance before speed. And I did deal with some plantar fasciitis at first and really had to slow down the process a little bit more to keep this from getting worse. 
Um, I did do a marathon five months after my son was born, but I took it easy the whole time and walked the second half. So it was more about just getting back out there and experiencing a race again and nothing about performance or speed. And then, of course, came the process of building on to my new running base, regaining strength, and gradually focusing on dropping my times down again. And I believe this gradual process was what enabled me to set a marathon PR around 19 months later. So to talk more about building back your postpartum running base and specifically strength needs, we're excited to play a recording of an interview with MTA coach Athena Farias. She is an RCA level two certified running coach. She's a personal trainer and exercise physiologist and has a master's in exercise science and health promotion. And she's a certified coach in menopause for athletes. In her running life, she has done multiple marathons, including five Boston qualifiers, many ultras, countless half marathons, and she is also a proud mother and grandmother. All right, we're on the podcast now with Coach Athena. Joining us from San Antonio, Texas, Coach Athena, how are you? I'm doing really good. Well, for the purpose of our topic today, we're kind of talking about how to build back your running base, getting back to running races or marathons or whatever a person wants to do in the postpartum period. And you've been able to coach postpartum runners through the often challenging process of building back that running base. Some people just feel like they're, they're not getting back to where they want to be as quickly as they thought. So can you start off by giving us an overview of what factors women need to keep in mind to have a safe and successful return to running? Most definitely. So first and foremost, you know, every pregnancy, every birth and every recovery is different for mm -hmm. everyone, elite athlete, recreational runner, or just the general population. So we always have to give ourselves grace coming back. And I know that's really hard in today's society, but we really need to take a step back and look at what our goals are, what our expectations are. I mean, that is what we're thinking about when we're pregnant, right? We are, we just, when am I going to be able to get back? You know, because some people can't, run during pregnancy, right? So you yep. got to look at that aspect too, what was happening during the pregnancy. And then that can help you dictate what's going to happen postpartum. So having a good support team is so good, you know, because you're going to be not sleeping, you're going to be taking care of baby doing all these duties while trying to take care of other things that are going on in your household, especially if you have multiple kids, um, how are you going to fit it in? Yes. And then the guidelines, right? So my daughter's going to be 27. So back way then, it's <laughs> like six weeks, okay, you're, you're good to go. So I just knew like I knew at six weeks at my six week appointment, I was going to be able to lace up. And just like nothing happened, go out and run. Well, that's not the case, right? The recommendations have definitely been updated. And so now they know that if you had a vaginal birth, that your tissues are not recovered, you know, until three to six months. And then if you had a cesarean birth, your abdominal tensile strength is not fully recovered until six to seven months. And it's not even fully recovered. It's like a 73 to 93% recovery. So, you know, there's a lot of things that are going on within our bodies. We may outwardly look and feel mentally ready, but there's a lot of physiological things and hormonal things going on that can set you back if you start too soon. Yeah, that's a great point. Like you said, the type of your pregnancy, your birth experience are going to be hugely variable. And it's important though, like the doctor may have given you like the green light. Okay, six weeks, you're good to go. 
but that doesn't necessarily mean that you can resume your activity level that you had before being pregnant or even, you know, before the birth for those women who are able to run throughout the pregnancy. So in general, what should women be doing before they jump right back into running? Should they build up a certain level of walking or other type of fitness first? What are your recommendations? So I look at this as I do with somebody that has had a huge layoff or they they experience some type of injury or surgery. Mm-hmm. So as a running coach and a strength coach, I do an assessment, right? What what do they do? Um, usually they don't come to me, you know, within that six week time frame, right? I'm like, you need to take care of baby. You need to sleep, rest your body. But during that time, don't do nothing, right? Because movement promotes healing and recovery mentally, physically, mm-hmm. and emotionally. So I give them like a guiding plan. So like I usually work with them throughout their pregnancy and then I give them some type of guidance. I'm like, you may not hear from you. I'll check in on you, but here's some unstructured things that you can do to prep your body. Even a week after postpartum, you can do some connection breath. And that's just a breathing technique that brings that awareness between the pelvic floor and the core. So being able to identify that movement, that neuromuscular response and activation. And then they can start doing some pelvic floor contractions. And around this point, let's say week two to three postpartum, if they're not finding that awareness, I refer them out. And I, you know, and it's it's so silly that I'm the one. I'm like, I'm just your coach. Your doctor should be doing this, right? <laughs> yes. But, you know, I have a good team that I refer my athletes to. And she's a PT pelvic floor specialist. And I just send them that way, you know, because they're the experts in that field. But it's not like built into the medical template, right, for yes. um, expecting mothers and mothers. So it's just interesting. So I'm always the sooner the better, especially if you're really trying to get back to running. I know I need running for my sanity, right? <laughs> this is my escape. I need to get away from everybody in the house. Um, so if you give them some type of guidance within that six weeks, it, it helps. And then giving them that little, the carrot saying, hey, you know, if you're not feeling things, if you're not finding that connection, see a pelvic floor specialist. Then after that, if, you know, at the six week mark, they get that green light to go back to running. I'm still like letting the athlete know, let's just, we've got to really make sure that everything is feeling right. So they continue on a continuum of mobility, strength, stretching, activation exercises, those type of things so that their body's aware, right? Because just like a new runner, if they start too fast, too soon, too hard, too much, they're going to wind up injured down the way. And we want to avoid all that. And I really, you know, you really have to engage with that athlete and give them that guidance of the reasons why they want to take it slow. Because I know, I know they feel good. They want to go, they have all this energy, but it's better to be safe early than later on and then experience other problems that I see in the clinic. Um, I see when I started doing a woman's health study, I started understanding and seeing, I was like, oh my God, these things, people think they're normal. It's okay to go. (laughs) You're supposed to leak when you run after you've had a baby. No, this is, no, that is not normal. Right. Those type of things. But yeah, so there's a different things. And you, you know, just like anything else, you got connection breath, your pelvic floor exercises, then you can start adding in some 10 minute walks here and there a couple of times a week, and then you slowly build. So real quick, what is connection breath? So in any position, you can do it lying first off uh, in a supine position on your back, and you're just taking that deep breath. So really uh, utilizing that diaphragm, right? So and you inhale, 
your ribs will expand, your diaphragm will move, your uh, pelvic floor muscles will relax. And as you exhale, your pelvic floor muscles come back up and your diaphragm moves up. So it's just finding that connection. Um, and it's not forced, right? You're, you're not squeezing your glute. <laughs> you know, it's, it's internal contraction. So kind of that mind-body awareness again, because it totally shifts. I mean, I remember, you know, in the postpartum period, like trying to suck in my stomach. It was like, nope, are you kidding me? There was like no connection. Right. You're like, <laughs> you're, mentally I'm doing it, but nothing's <laughs> happening. And that's what I'm saying. If they're not having that connection, seek out a public floor specialist. I think that's really important that, you know, you're talking about this because a lot of women just assume everything's just going to snap back into place naturally. And sometimes it's very smooth, but sometimes it isn't. And I think there is often a level of discomfort about talking about things like vaginal tears during birth or diastasis recti, where the abdominal muscles have that separation or urinary leakage or other issues that can end up following women for months and years after birth. And, you know, be an advocate for your own body and being able to ask for what you need in the healthcare setting and really prioritizing your health, because those type of things um, are not normal. And you shouldn't have to suffer from those things long term. Yeah, definitely not. It, It surprises me. Like I said, with that women's health study, we were looking at a tool to measure the pelvic floor stiffness, tightness, things like that. And it fascinates me, you know, in the military, unfortunately, you don't get that much time, you got to return to duty pretty quickly. Mm. And there's a lot of issues. And it not only with the pelvic floor, but you have hip issues, back issues, plantar fasciitis, all stem from the disconnect, right? Mm. So we want to make sure that the core is doing its job, so that we can, you know, return to running quickly without injury. Yes, that's an excellent point. The postpartum period can be challenging, not only from that physical standpoint, but also emotionally and mentally as well, because often, you know, running is a major outlet for people's mental health. And they can feel frustrated, their fitness is not returning quickly enough. And it seems like, you know, we always often can fall into that comparison trap where we see on social media, like so and so ran through the entire pregnancy. And look, oh, they're performing at this high level you know, soon after giving birth, then, you know, I'm still not able to do these certain things. So do you have any tips on how the runner can be gentle with themselves and patient with the process while they're still pursuing these fitness goals and building back that strong base so that their whole body is ready to go forward in pursuit of those goals? Basically, unfollow those people that are not bringing you joy. (laughs) And that's hard, I know, right? Um, But and of course, the support system that you have, like if you give your OBGYN, your primary care, your coach, your your spouse, your family, your friends, let them be your support system, right? Seek out those individuals that will support any goal that you have, because that, that's really, really important. And then um, actually, I was just reading a magazine article. It's groundbreaking new study on pregnancy and athletic performance. Yes, Um, I saw that one. (laughs) It was really interesting. But just, Mm -hmm. you know, 60% of the athletes successfully came back and were running around the same mileage and times within a one to three year period. 46% of those improved their performance. But we got to remember 54% did not because of extenuating circumstances, right? And I don't know if you remember that famous UTMB ultra runner a couple of years ago who was breastfeeding and pumping during the race. 
uh, yes. Sophie Power. She's got a Hoka a film about her. Uh, it's called The Journey from Pregnancy to Performance. So mm. I always try to seek out those things that will bring me joy. And it's only 25 minutes. And it, she experienced prolapse. She did mm. not expect that postpartum and with her third child. So it's not only happening to me, right? Because it always feels like, why is it just me? Because they always see the, the successful stories, which again, we're only seeing the pretty, we're not seeing all the, the negative, but you know, it's just reframing. Um, mm-hmm. And it's okay. It's okay. Yeah. You're going to be okay. You're going to get to that other side. What was the runner's name? Sophia Power. It reminded me in uh, Scott Jurek's book, he talks about all the interesting people that he's met at ultra races, like the Hard Rock 100 in Colorado. Oh, yes. There was a lady who was running that and then breastfeeding at the aid stations. And I think she won. And then they gave her a little plaque or something that said lactating Laura. Like that was. (laughs) (laughs) That is awesome. I have a good friend, Liza Howard. She's an ultra runner as well. And she was, I think, six months postpartum. One thing as for a mother that we did not mention is breastfeeding. So making Mm -hmm. sure you. You pump and dump before you go. She's at the aid station. Who has scissors? Who has a knife? And they had to cut her bra because she was engorged, right? She was in so wow. much pain. She's being strangled. Those things that you don't realize. Mm-hmm. So uh, another thing is like, it's okay to run. There's again, old advice. If you run, you're going to dehydrate and not produce uh, milk, but that's not the case. Right. It's not the case. So making sure that you're up to date with the newest research on breastfeeding and running or activity. Well, thank you for sharing your knowledge and thanks again for all the hard work and all the way that you're helping clients achieve their goals. It's it's an honor to have you on our team. Awesome. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Thank you, Athena. We'd like to thank our sponsor, Athletic Greens, makers of AG1, which is a category-leading superfood product. It'll give you comprehensive and convenient daily nutrition. It's really handy, just one scoop. Very tasty, by the way. And... That one scoop has 75 vitamins, minerals, whole food sourced ingredients. So it includes a multivitamin, multimineral, probiotic, green superfoods, and you can't live without it. (laughs) Well, I feel like as we get into the holiday season and winter, all of us need help with our immune systems, keeping that as strong as possible. And your gut health is linked very closely to your immune system. And so I feel like Athletic Greens is one of those things that helps me make sure that I am taking good care of my gut so that my immune system will be boosted over the winter. (laughs) Kids bringing stuff home from school, you know how that goes. I know. So here's what's cool with your order of Athletic Greens. If it's your first purchase, you get a free one-year supply of vitamin D because it's important to support your vitamin D production during the colder months when there's less sun exposure. Just go to athleticgreens.com forward slash MTA to give it a try. Athleticgreens.com slash MTA. So aside from all the physical recovery that's necessary in the postpartum period, new parents also tend to struggle more with finding time to train. It is amazing how one small person can totally upend your schedule and routines, (laughs) no matter how you determine to not let them do that. New mothers and fathers often struggle with feeling guilty about taking time for training, and it really requires some creativity to fit those runs in. I remember when I was in the stage of life, it worked best for me to train early in the morning. I would breastfeed our son, put him back to sleep, and then run early before Trevor left for work. 
Um, that way running didn't get pushed aside by the busyness of the day. And then I made time for cross training by attending yoga classes at the YMCA where they had a nursery for the kids. And we had two older kids as well as the baby. <laughs> um, and sometimes I had to exercise at home and it was never perfect. I often had to pause midway through a workout to take care of needs or would have a kid crawling on me during portions of the workout. <laughs> I do think if I were to do it again, I would invest in a treadmill, which can make fitting those runs in a lot easier. Yeah, I'm sure most people know what YMCA is like. If you're listening outside the U.S., it's basically a fitness center. I think they have them worldwide anyway, but our local YMCA, the daycare was called We Care, and our kids actually enjoyed going because they got to watch movies and eat snacks. (laughs) And so our oldest son was about five at the time, and he says, when I become a man, I'm going to buy a scooter and drive myself to We Care. (laughs) We try to remind him of that at least once a year to embarrass him. He's 18 and talking about saving for his first car. I'm like, hey, Riley, what are you saving for? So you can drive yourself to We Care? <laughs> Interestingly, I don't know if there's a correlation, but you know, going to a fitness facility so frequently when the boys were young, um, our oldest son is really into bodybuilding. Like he is so disciplined and dedicated, like takes himself to the gym every day. So yeah, and there's something to be said too about the example that parents set. He's not a runner, but He sees us working out. He sees Angie faithfully doing it every day. I'm more hit and miss, but the example that we have set for him has had to have an impact. Don't you think? Yeah. So if you have young kids right now, I remember the struggle. It is so hard. Sometimes you wonder, you know, if it's worth it. (laughs) But then again, it's like, oh, you know, one of your only times for some alone time or sanity. So, um, you know, the work and the struggle that you're going through right now will pay off. It will get easier for sure. We got an email from a listener named Christina, and she says, Hello, I was wondering if you've ever covered the topic getting back to running and training for a race after having a baby. I just had my second baby three weeks ago and my good friend convinced me to sign up for a marathon when I'll be six months postpartum. I'll also be breastfeeding, which is an added factor in terms of planning for training runs and nutrition and race day logistics. I'm also a pediatrician and have talked to many postpartum parents about the adjustments to having a newborn while also trying to stay healthy and active. There are unique factors that affect the birthing parent specifically, but both parents could benefit from advice during the postpartum sleep-deprived period. She says, I'm a big fan of the podcast. I also wanted to send a shout out to MTA coach Nicole, who supported me through my first postpartum marathon training in 2019. Um, And so as a result of that email, that was kind of the impetus for this episode. And we are lucky to get to hear from Christina as she shares advice about the adjustment to having a newborn while also trying to stay healthy and active, specifically the unique factors that affect the birthing parent. Um, I will note this was recorded before she ran her most recent marathon. So here's our call with Dr. Christina Piron, pediatrician and runner about adjustments to life as a runner after having a newborn. Okay, we're on the podcast now with Christina Piron, a pediatrician who lives in New Jersey. Christina, welcome to the MTA podcast. It's great to be here. Thank you. I always like to ask people how they got started as a runner. Kind of tell us about how you got into this crazy world of long distance running. (laughs) Yeah. Looking back, I never would have thought to call myself a runner until really more recently when I've really come to own that there is no real definition of what a runner should be. You don't have to be an elite athlete to be a runner. You just get out and if you're moving and going, you're a runner. 100%. (laughs) When I first started, it was actually in medical school as a way just to be 
able to exercise and fit it into the crazy schedule that is clinical rotations. And also it fits the um, med school budget. <laughs> there's, yes. there's no gym fees or really expensive equipment. You don't necessarily have to, you know, I had one pair of running shoes when I first started and I really didn't know anything about it. I would just go out of my house and run short distances initially. And I found it was really great mentally as well. It was a good stress relief. You could either focus and really think through a problem or if you really needed to just put it away, you could also distract yourself from it and give yourself that break. So it was useful um, kind of in both aspects. And after that, I was like, well, I wonder, it was kind of like a bucket list. I wonder if I could ever do a marathon. Right. <laughs> and, and then here we are. And I've run two marathons since. And I signed up for a third this fall. <laughs> wow. Nice. So talk about the challenges that you faced training with a new baby and what it was like, because your body is changing so much from going from that pregnancy and to, you know, reestablishing just kind of that homeostasis, I guess, after having a baby. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's a big change physically, mentally, you know, becoming a new mom. And it was my first baby. So being a pediatrician, I knew a lot about kids, but you know, it's a whole different experience on the other end when it happens to you. Yeah. And so I had signed up, it was the Chicago marathon I signed up for. And I was pregnant when I signed up for it thinking, sure, I can do it. I trained for the first one. It's six months after I have the baby, it's going to be fine. But luckily, I had a really good support in my husband, Tyler, um, who definitely helped keep me going when it was really hard to find the energy to get up and go. Or if it was a bad run, he would help me remember, like, it's not supposed to be easy. It doesn't mean that everything's going to be terrible on race day. You just, you still got out there and you did it. And that's what matters. Yes. But definitely finding that balance to find time to do your training runs while still balancing work, because I went back to work. And also, you know, caring for a newborn and I was breastfeeding. So that was an added training kind of logistical challenge that I'm sure other moms can relate to. Yeah, you see other women go through it and you think, oh, they make it look easy. And it's not. I mean, everyone's journey is so different when it comes to that postpartum period and whether they choose to breastfeed or not, or, you know, just navigating the challenges of how a newborn takes over your entire life and your sleep schedule, you know, you might as well flush that down the toilet. <laughs> Oh, yeah. There's no schedule in the first few months of a newborn's life. <laughs> so I like when women are like, you know, really open and kind of raw about the ups and downs of what it really takes. But, you know, like you've demonstrated, it's totally possible to be able to balance a lot, you know, a very demanding job and having a newborn and training. So it is possible. Let me ask you this, Christina, would you do it that same way again? I would. And in fact, somehow I am. Um, I just okay. had my second. She's 11 weeks old now. Aww. And I am running the virtual New York Marathon in November. So apparently it's it's a thing. If I have a child, I have to sign up for a marathon. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but I, I did. I found, you know, it was definitely challenging and hard to train. And I'm not saying everybody should sign up for a marathon after they have a baby <laughs> by any means. But for me, it was helpful to have a goal because I had signed up for the race and I was with a friend. I didn't want to let her down or let myself down. So it kind of helped motivate me to get out the door and run on those hard days. And my goal was not a specific time. I really, mm -hmm. I was just like, I'm going to cross the finish line however I can. Surprisingly, I ended up stronger on the other side of pregnancy <laughs> and I had a PR 
for my marathon. I ran it faster than the first one. Oh, cool. <laughs> that so is amazing. being a mom makes you tough. <laughs> it does. I think just going through pregnancy and childbirth and those early months, you know, you realize that your capacity is higher than you thought it was. <laughs> mm-hmm. So when you were training for your second marathon, you started working with an MTA coach. You were um, working with Coach Nicole. And kind of tell us about, you know, some of the things that she had you doing, um, how that training process went um, specifically with having someone there to, you know, kind of give you specific type workouts and deal with the journey that you were on instead of just kind of a cookie cutter plan. It was really great to have her. And she had told me that, you know, she was a mom too. So Mm -hmm. I kind of found that camaraderie, like she knew what it was like, she could get me through this. Yes. (laughs) Um, And in the beginning, um, she reminded me a lot about taking my time, listening to my body. She gave Mm -hmm. me a lot of core exercises to work on, which I don't think we think about a lot or talk about a lot that rebuilding that core strength is so important Mm -hmm. to your overall like athletic ability. Exactly. And having her be able to guide me to the right kind of exercises was nice because you're so tired. I didn't have to do this research on my own. She just handed it to me on the schedule and I did it. (laughs) Um, And then we slowly, you know, built up the intensity of the running, but she definitely helped me learn that the core um, and like strength component is so important to training. Um, Mm -hmm. I'd never really done as much in previous training sessions. And she did a great job. It was also, um, it was like small increments, you know, it was Mm -hmm. never, it was like 10, 15 minutes top. So it never felt too overwhelming. Yes. She didn't say hold plank for 40 minutes. <laughs> no, no, I did not. Right. Have to do 40 well, none of planks. us could do that. So. <laughs> she probably could. <laughs> well, that's awesome. And you got faster. Mm-hmm. I did. Yeah. So it, this whole strength training thing is, is real. <laughs> it works. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Are you trying to incorporate the core strength this time around as well? So kind of using that same philosophy. Yep, I dug through the archives and mm-hmm. went back to some of those same early exercises to safely get back to it. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> so what advice do you have for both parents who are adjusting to that sleep deprived period and the changes that a new baby brings to the household? Because, you know, I think, I don't know, I just kind of thought like, I'm an organized person, get them on a sleep schedule, blah, 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 <laughs> read the books. <laughs> you know, right? like, I had I had probably unrealistic expectations going into it. And yeah, it can be really disruptive to a whole household. <laughs> Absolutely. Your whole world gets turned upside down. Um, and it's with every new baby. It doesn't. I don't think it changes even with subsequent yeah. <laughs> newborns. It still kind of rocks your world each time. Number one, I usually tell people, don't compare yourself to anyone. <laughs> yes. There are so many stories out there and you're always going to hear that, oh, my baby slept eight hours the first night and we're <sighs> doing great and I'm up and out and you know she's running 10 miles two weeks later. <laughs> but the majority of us, honestly, are probably in a similar space at this newborn time. There's no perfect way. There's no right way. There's a lot of ways to get to the same end point. Mm. So trying not to compare and feel kind of down because your baby didn't do this at this time or somebody said you should have tried this, you know, you really ought to do what's best for you and your baby and your situation um, and not compare and not compare to previous kids either Mm because, you know, the second kid is going to be different than the first. (laughs) Have you experienced that? (laughs) I have. Yeah. (laughs) And then the first one's adding in a whole new challenge. They are in their own stages of life, which are challenging. And <laughs> right. Yeah. Because I have a three year old and the newborn. Mm. Very, very busy ages. Wow. I remember those days. Interesting times. <laughs> um, 
But then, yeah, the other advice I often give to parents, like with the sleep, especially is take turns. Mm. <laughs> you know, it is we my husband and I have been doing this more. We, we're doing better with the second one than the first one, actually. But, you know, like I'll take the baby and then there'll become a point in the night where, if, you know, she's not settling. It's like, OK, well, I'm going to wake him up. He's going to handle settling her and I'm going to get some sleep instead of trying to carry that burden all on one parent. Yes. Um, so share the load for sure. And hopefully you'll each, it's not going to be the full sleep still, but it's going to be a little better than if one person took it on alone. <laughs> yes, for sure. And kind of sharing the load so both parents can get exercise and Absolutely. take care of them, their self-care, whatever your support system looks like, realizing mm -hmm. that it's good to ask for help and getting some exercise, even if it's just 15 or 20 minutes in the early days is very important, you know, not only for you, but also to be able yeah. to raise an healthy infant and set that example from a very early age that you know, kind of putting on your own oxygen yeah. mask first. <laughs> you know? Absolutely. No, that's very true. It's kind of part of too, why I was motivated to kind of keep running and try to get back into it is I want to be an example to my kids that, you know, you can keep a healthy lifestyle. Kids will change things, but you don't have to completely lose yourself <laughs> and become unhealthy because of it. It just mm -hmm. you kind of have to adapt and find a new way to do it and fit it in. Um, yes. And the same could be, you know, if you're not a runner, but you're really passionate about some other hobby, it's the same idea, you know, find 10 minutes where you can do that a day, ask your partner, ask your friend, whoever it may be to help out so you can fit that in. In the long run, it's better for everyone. Yes. Well, the good news is you only have maybe 18 years to do this. Right? <laughs> and I'll be over. <laughs> I know. In the blink of an eye, I'm sure it, it does yes. go by quickly. Those early months seem like they often drag, but yes, yeah. then it goes a lot more quickly. <laughs> it gets so much easier when they're self-sufficient, mm -hmm. you know, put yes. on their own shoes, buckle themselves in the car seat and all the things. <laughs> I know. Even now I can, you know, I recognize it like my son can go to the bathroom by himself. Yes. It's like, thank goodness. <laughs> that is huge. <laughs> yeah. Well, good luck as you continue to train and thank, thank you. you for joining us uh, and sharing some tips for our listeners. This is going to be an awesome episode. Yeah, I, oh, I really appreciate you, you contributing. Thank you for having me on. So really, the pregnancy and postpartum period opens up a whole new adventure in your running life. Um, that was very true for me. Looking back, I kind of think of three things that I learned during this phase of my running life. Um, I think the first thing is that pregnancy can make you a tougher and smarter runner. For me, running a marathon is way easier than childbirth. I know that's not the experience for everyone, <laughs> but um, yeah, I would run a marathon any day over childbirth. <laughs> but both pregnancy and running raise your pain threshold. They can help you develop patience with your body and the process, and they make you realize that you can handle more than you think you can. I think the second thing I learned is that you know, you can have the thing that you want to happen, your ideal scenario for running and postpartum, but it doesn't always work out like that. And so you just have to be comfortable with the decisions you make along the way and take it a day at a time. I was pregnant for a fourth time in 2012 and lost the baby at 18 weeks. And it was really hard. And it was natural for me to wonder if my running had anything to do with this miscarriage, even though the pathology report showed that the baby suffered from a genetic condition. But it was a very tough period of time as we dealt with the loss and as I again had to rebuild my running base, you know, without the baby that we were hoping to have. Um, so having the habit of running was very helpful to me both physically and emotionally as I navigated that time of life. 
And thirdly, I learned not just to train for races, but to train for life. Going through pregnancy and postpartum really emphasizes the importance of being a strong and healthy person and how much more important that is than just having a certain race goal. My desire is to run the rest of my life and enjoy all the unique opportunities and experiences that running brings my way. So we hope that whatever phase you're in in your running life, whether it includes pregnancy and postpartum or not, that you can find joy in your running, that you can embrace the challenges as they come and become a stronger and healthier runner in the process. And that brings us to the end of this episode. Thank you so much for being a subscriber. Reach out anytime. We've got a contact form on our website, marathontrainingacademy.com. And you can also send us a message via Instagram and Facebook. We are at Marathon Academy. Remember, you do have what it takes to run a marathon and change your life. Right on my road.